0: driving it home with patty vasquez patty vasquez from global conflicts to greenhouse gases the folks refusing to wear masks and politicians getting caught grabbing ass says she's driving it home with patty vasquez
1: hello hello uh happy tuesday everyone hope that you're healthy and safe wherever you are today we want to thank our sponsors monaco brewing a Kids Above All, uh, one of our favorite organizations, and our friend Warren Price from European and U.S. Car Service over by there on Broadway near Irving. Uh, to, you know, that's how we get these conversations going. It's what uh, it keeps the lights on, as it were. And uh, when you call 773 763 9278, you'll hear the lovely voice of Lady B, who's back. Good to see you, Lady B. And uh, what do you want to talk about today? What's on your mind? Coming up in just a little bit, I've got to send Lady B the phone number for Senator Robert Peters, who's going to join us. About a couple of important issues, including the gun legislation that is being debated, and uh, right now there are committee hearings, I believe, with the House and uh, the Senate. Also, is making movement to a, to ban military style rifles. So we want to talk about what that means, uh, what the uh, back and forth is, what the negotiations are like. We'll also talk to him about fair vote because he did introduce legislation in regards to ranked choice voting. So we'll talk to him about that. And coming up, I'm hoping, uh, K.B. Marion, comedian K.B. Marion, has a new segment to introduce to our show, and I will be catching up with her just a little bit for That's Not What's Happening. (laughs) So that'll come up today at 630. And uh, I want to know what's on your mind. I, I um, sometimes I see a horrorf- horrible story that feels. Um very personal and I'm hesitant to share and talk about it because it's so upsetting and uh, just beyond discussing. And, and I don't know if it helps to talk about it and, and it kind of reflects a little bit on that phone call that we had a few weeks ago with a uh, booger eating Ken uh, you know why do we have you know why do I let him talk past the point because I, I wanted to flesh out what he was trying to say which was essentially replacement theory that immigrants are replacing white people that, that black people should basically know their place. Here that we should all be grateful that we live in a Judeo-Christian white nation, and uh, and so I'm hesitant to bring this story up because it's so. Uh, it, I it's kind of I've felt awful all day, but there is a suburban school uh, where a teenage boy who has Down syndrome was uh, attacked and bullied and shoved around, and there's video, and I don't I like, I didn't want to watch the video, and at the same time it's it, it does. Force me to go look. This is still happening, and not talking about it, and not asking why is this happening, and not talking about how do we address it, uh, is it would be uh, I think negligent on my part to not continue to have these conversations. I have a son who would not be able to defend himself in a situation like this, who can be taken advantage because he cannot speak, uh, cannot does not necessarily know that uh, the intentions of others can be this despicable. And uh, there are students at the school that are rallying around their classmate and uh, demanding that the school does better. The school has said that the police department has been involved. Uh, We're not getting much more information than that. And I know... uh you know, you might not be that familiar with how uh, at least in CPS, um, and I'm not even that familiar, and I have a child who was in CPS until third grade. I uh, I fought very hard because it was an incredible program. Uh, they call it a contained program. Essentially, all the students in Declan's classroom uh, had varying degrees of intellectual uh, learning disabilities and challenges, and some physical disabilities, and it was a very warm uh, environment. It was very nurturing and Safe it only went from three years old until third grade uh this arbitrary number uh nine, nine like because declan isn't your it's a third grader like you can't use the same sort of standards to measure his progress as you would with uh, a what they I guess you would say a typically developing uh, child and I mean to give you some uh, perspective at 17 years old uh, Declan works on shapes and numbers and letters uh, and he also has music therapy and does gym and loves being around his classmates and aides and teachers and has a different learning experience experience. experience than other kids do. And for him, that program was so good for him. He made a lot of progress there. And I wanted to fight to expand it to at least, you know, I was trying to get to fifth grade or to sixth grade. There was so much property there. And uh, when I did try to push against CPS and say, look, you know, why can't this program um, be... Expanded? Why? You know, why are we paying? Because the other option was, and, and the the choice we had to make is to send Declan to a school in the suburbs, where he had like. And you should see the line of different types of uh, vehicles, whether it's the school buses, the private vans. Some kids are taken there by by cab, and there are a lot of these what they call therapeutic day schools outside the city of Chicago. And I've always thought that we should be able to have programs that are for. our Our kids in our city, but that's not the the path that CPS is choosing to take. I've seen no movement to expand programs like the one he was in at Beard Elementary, Um, and and so there are programs. So without, and I'm not saying like, and then there are programs depending on a child's development where it is appropriate for them to be with other kids and similar programs and classes, Uh, and but. I remember when we looked at one program, there was a school on the, the, uh, I think it was up by Uptown, and it was the worst tour I took of any school like to, because the principal and leadership determines how everybody else behaves, from teachers to students. Uh, and, and I remember because I never give up hope that Declan will have the ability to speak. And uh, so that it's not just being able to understand words or how to formulate them. It's also muscular for him. So there's speech therapists that work with uh, developing muscle tone through the mouth and the tongue and the jaw. And so when I would, when I meet with people and these, and we talk about the programs, I ask, what, you know, what kind of techniques do you use uh, for speech therapy to uh, help them develop speech? And at this one school, and I'm not going to say what school it was, but at one school, the teacher said, well, we teach them how to wipe the drool from their mouths like that was going to be the extent of the involvement and investment they were going to have in helping Declan develop speech and I, and then uh, I asked because Declan is a is a risk of flight he will take off and around that time there was a a boy who disappeared on the east coast and uh His uh, last name was Okendo, and uh, I'll never forget because there was video of him just leaving the school and nobody stopped him. There were no there was no security doors, no bells for kids who had intellectual disabilities. This, This young man had autism and he disappeared. And for for months, no word on where he was. And then his body was discovered in a creek. And so, when we were t- touring the school, I asked you know what kind of precautions do you have for kids like Declan who might leave the building and leave the property and she said, "We have video cameras and I said, "Oh, so you can see the last time my son was alive that's 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 basically what that's going to do um and i don't and one of the ways she talked about the other kids in the school was she called i'm not kidding you lady B she called them gen pop that sometimes the kids that were in the uh, that we're in the diverse learners is what they call. It. They, they all everyone's trying to find these different words, but Gen Pop just made it sound like they were going to be in a, like a lockdown situation in a prison, and that the kids in the uh, diverse learners program would have the opportunity to be in Gen Pop once in a while. So that was my experience with just a few schools uh, with the way they approach uh, kids who learn differently. I don't I don't know what the solution is, but allowing kids to bully and beat up a kid. Because he's different, and and like, uh, and they're laughing in the video. Go get him! I, j- I want to have a conversation with these parents. I want to know why they think uh, their kids behave this way. Uh, what are we doing? Who, what kind of kids are are we raising? Because I you know I keep coming to this point of we're doing really well. We're making progress. Look at how how involved kids are. The young generation. You know I've got high hopes for them, and then I see this video and um and i know it's happened it happens all all every day all over the world where someone who is different um and i and i've had theories about this uh about how people don't like chaos and they don't like uh people who don't talk like them or act like them and and don't do things the way they're supposed to and uh in the absence of having better understanding they turn to uh violence They would rather beat up the thing they don't understand, the thing being uh, a difference. They don't they they would just rather lash out and hurt somebody who has done nothing to hurt them, who doesn't even have the ability to hurt them the way they can hurt him. So that was something that was that has been on my mind all day. It's just been very upsetting, and and because uh, I don't know, I I rely on the care of his teachers and his aides, and to know that there's a school that uh, is not providing the kind of care that a child like Declan needs uh, is really upsetting, and and to know that those parents send their child off to school every day, thinking that their kid is going to be okay, it's really hard. Um, so that's what's been on my mind today. Let's uh, let's take a break here. I'll take your calls when we come back. Oh, let me just take Jim, because Jim sounds like he wants to t- Hey, Jim, what's on your mind, my friend?
2: Hi, Kelly. Uh, what makes a person sadistic is anybody's guess. We've all experienced that uh, some sadist in our life that took advantage of this a, in an opportune moment. I'm not bragging by myself, but i I'll give me an example. I had the first assembly in high school. I'm sitting all by myself up in a, in a gym full of uh, maybe 300 people, right? And I noticed that three guys were picking on this one kid. So I ran down there as fast as I could. So what are you guys doing? Hey, well, who are you? You know, we're from uh, you know some gang from the city. And uh, he said, oh, well, who cares? You know, so I made a point that every time I saw those guys, I was like, you you think you're a tough guy. But what makes a person sadistic? I I don't know. And and it it doesn't matter gender. It doesn't matter uh, uh, whatever class, whatever the heck you're in. But there's something about being a sadist that is appealing to some people. Anyway, no and
1: and uh, do, ahead, you think, do you think also there's a, a group, like a mob mentality, too? Because watching this video, there's an energy that, and I don't know if it's the, the, the ringleader or the one that everyone looks to, that if he's doing it, they have to do it. Because you can see in this well, bathroom that it's a mob mentality. And this boy had to run into a bathroom stall to try to seek protection and safety.
2: Well, I've been that I've been up when I was a kid. Uh, and uh, But that was one thing our friends were... Yeah, uh, we got into a fist fight we, we, I wouldn't break that fight but I mean unless it was, the guy was really getting killed, but never would we ever gang up on anybody right that was just that was just not done
1: the the, and, uh, the, uh, the biggest fight I ever got into in my entire life I, so I was a freshman was I, no I was a sophomore at Lane I think I was a sophomore mm, yes, Is that right? I was uh, outside during lunchtime. You know, Link Tech has a really big parking lot and a lot of different entrances. When you when you're done with lunch, you, you go wait by a door until the bell rings. You go inside, and uh, there was this kid uh, making fun of a kid, a, a classmate who had intellectual challenges. And I all I said was, "Why don't you leave him alone?" And that kid turned on me, came up to me, he was smoking a cigarette, smart, started, you know, blowing smoke in my face, and said, uh, "My clothes are probably worth more than your parents pay for rent." which... Was probably true. Um, I, I wish I was there. I wish I was there. Oh, yeah, I don't, you, I don't, you, don't you worry? Don't you worry? And he uh, he put he took his cigarette. He was blowing smoke in my face, and then he pushed my face. And I look. I played little league baseball with the boys, and the next thing you know, we're wailing on each other. I wasn't a good fighter. I just remember both of us were like in a headlock, and I'm trying to kick him from the side. And and, and the thing was, nobody and nobody pulled us off of each other. Like nobody pulled him off of me. I mean, so I was I must have been holding my own. If they they didn't think I, you know, they didn't seem to think I needed any help. And then the next day, he went around to a bunch of the football players, to tell them, "Hey, uh, there's going to be this rumor that I was fighting with a girl. Tell people that she's crazy." And uh, it just happened that I had a lot of friends on the football team, and they're like, "Yeah, she's crazy. That's our friend Patty." And you did the wrong
2: thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Patty, yeah. good for you, good for yeah. you. But I mean, I can understand how anybody could. I, there's some kind of a sadistic nature that people have that is, is just, uh, I don't. Know, what are we going to do anyway it's a terrible story Penny. Yeah. take care you Everybody
1: too thank you it. thank you so much i'm gonna take a break here we'll get back to your call 773-763-9278 if you want to join our conversation you can call or text to that number we'd love to hear from you and lady b's back so you get to talk to lady b when you call 773-763-9278 more after this
3: chicago's progressive talk wcpt 820 where facts matter
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: We are driving it home until 7 o'clock now, and uh, we're taking your calls. Judy's on the line from Niles. Hey, Judy, what, what's on your mind?
5: Well, we just got over our elections in, you know, big Now, Niles is having, when I believe it's his credit have to look up the exact date. But now is when they're coming for their signatures here. I got to meet a few of my neighbors. I I don't know if anybody has noticed that Neil Steinberg twice has mentioned Niles library. Once rather a big article and then a small mention later on.
1: In reference to what, uh, because I know that there was something going on at Lincoln, Lincolnwood library where they were trying to ban some books. Was that? Was well,
5: that I they, I don't know that they've done that yet. But first, that's where they try to seep in, the school boards and the libraries, and that's where the people try to seep into the system. And we've got a couple on the Niles Village Board too. <laughs> wow!
1: Really? What are they? What kind of? What kind of trouble are they trying to stir up in the whatever, Niles?
5: It, it it started a couple years ago when this guy. Got into the library was going around to literally walking around to people's desks and counting how many pencils you see. You see what many? Yes,
1: <laughs> okay, yes. bizarre.
5: Yes, I know. And I, I we have a smaller library, we have two, we have one larger one, and one smaller one, the northwest, yeah, at the northwest por- portion of the town. And apparently, I think both of them need roof work. Well, that's. Crazy to ignore things like that, because I mean, if you're building you know if the roof isn't good, the building's not going to stand very long, and it only gets more expensive over time, so they started with guys a couple of people that didn't want to spend any money, and you know I who likes to spend money, but as long as you get a good bang for your buck, i'm I'm all for it, yeah I, I don't pay high taxes. What I do pay, I get in uh, in spades. I've got really great cleanup crews here. We've got one of the best snow removals around.
1: Yeah, so, I've you know, I, I'm a fan of Niles. I, I will tell you, I, I think it's a. It seems like a great community from everything I've seen and some of the amenities I've had the opportunity to enjoy, like the pools and the parks, some uh-huh. of the recreation facilities. Yeah,
5: yeah, and and a way to get to them. So. I, anyway, the, the, the next thing is that they don't want foreign language books in there. Oh, dear. Are you kidding and me? People explained <laughs> and they said, well, oh my they God. should learn English. Well, that's stupid. These people do speak English. My next-door neighbor likes poetry and things like that. She, she has a varied interest, but she really likes those things. And poetry in Urdu or, or one, some other language... It's certainly going to be different than it is in English. You have to read it in that language. But she reads English, too, and I'm sure most of the people that go in there also do. But they may want to read it in the other language because of the differences. And I don't see what the problem
1: is of having an aisle or two with some foreign language book. Because they might think on their own or learn things that are (laughs) different from what they want them to know. Yeah.
5: Exactly. Yep. So, you know, and i I I I one of the men who came to the door did mention that I I think I don't know whether he said Skokie or Lincoln would, uh they were trying to ban the books thing, but I think it's only a matter of time before they try to hit us with that. They're in there. Sure. They're in there counting pencils and oh my god letting yeah. works leak and you know, things like that. was so
1: well, uh, Julie, Judy, your municipal elections, I, I think, if I'm not mistaken, uh, although there, it does look like there are different dates for other parts of the state of Illinois, but like Lake County, Cook County, we have mun- municipal elections coming up on February 28th, so that might be... Yeah, i
5: had heard it was February. All I have to do is turn on Channel 6, I think. It sure. Is. There you go. <laughs> and I can check it, but... Um, okay. Okay. There was a man down the block who had saved our library in his front lawn, and I was thinking of walking down there when the weather got better, but he's one of the ones that showed up on my sprint stoop, so it's great. There you go. I met him, and it... he gave me a sign. So nice. Now I have a sign in my lawn for our library, and um, I've met him, very nice man, and um, the, one of the men came back, he said that there was a guy in there that counting every T and dotting every I. So he said, I had to fix a few things. I hope you don't mind signing one more time. So we chatted with him last night, and <laughs> people keep coming back. Well, that's
1: but a great that's thing. Nice. When you can sit down with a candidate or volunteers on a campaign, it's a good way to learn more about what they stand for.
5: Right. And yep. They're both very, very nice people. And they said, well, but this, the lady, the woman in question on this, library board used to live next door to me and she called the police on us for putting snow on her side
1: (laughs) no hold up someone called the police on you for putting snow on the on on their side of the street
5: yes and we she had complained before so Todd was oh my is that against the the law to to to, I
1: mean first of
5: all forward but
1: the wind
5: was blowing it
1: well and they have Judy you should have. You should have been doing something about deflecting the snow from their side of the street, changing the the the, the direction of the wind, whatever it took. I. That's crazy. I was, the
5: guy told me that I just and he was young. I think they just sent. They thought, oh, this is a good one to send, you know, rookie out on. And I, I just said, for goodness sakes, I said, turn your head. Do you see those bushes? What would go through them? And I said, my husband directs it forward all the way down because it either would hit our house or that fence. So he has to push it forward and push it forward until he gets free of them and he can throw it on our front lawn. But if the wind is blowing, it's going to blow back there. And I tried to explain to him, I think I'm pretty sure snow has a lot of nitrogen in it. It can only do your lawn good because I
1: think (laughs) you're planning ahead for the spring. This will be good for your lawn. It'll be nice and green and lush. It will. (laughs) And I think
5: I think that it's just
1: what she told me, that it was killing her lawn. <laughs> oh my! God. Yeah, well, that's just asinine. She just wanted to pick a fight with you, Judy. I've got okay. to run because I've got to update traffic, and we've got uh, a guest, and we got calls. It I'm yeah. Sorry
5: to take so long, but no. I had to
1: tell that story. I appreciate that. You know what? I think uh, being called, having the police called on you for snow on the other side of the street, <laughs> is an interesting story. I think that you were right about that. <laughs> See, it's, it's like it's like it's like bullies. There you go. Thank you so much. Have have a good evening, Judy. Take care. I got to run to the traffic. Let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to check in with Senator Robert Peters. Uh, we're going to talk about the Safety Act. We're going to offer our condolences on the, on the passing of his colleague, uh, Scott Bennett, so- Senator Scott Bennett, uh, an outpouring of love across the state of Illinois. And uh, we'll also talk about some of the issues that are important to you. Give us a call if you have any questions for the senator, 773 763 9278. Dave and George, if you want to hang on, I would love to take your calls as soon as our interview ends here. More in a moment on WCPT 820.
3: There's new information, explosive new information. It's how
0: every day starts. Need for information. Get the info you need from Fantina Jackson. Weekday morning, starting at 6 on WCPT 820. The Rick Smith Show, live weeknights from 8 to 10 p.m.
6: What's amazing is how quickly Joe Biden has brought the world together. The Rick Smith Show on
0: WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Because facts
3: matter. You are listening to WCPT 820.
0: Driving it home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: I want to thank our next guest joining us. Senator Robert Peters joins us. And I know that you have a busy schedule and we're grateful for the time. And I want to begin by offering our condolences on the passing of your colleague, uh, Senator Scott Bennett. Uh, how are you doing today, sir?
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, you know, uh, Scott uh, was, you know, a real special colleague He was extremely smart. He had an amazing sense of humor and uh, he was a key part for why we were able to get the the act trailer bill done, uh, which involved the Pretrial fairness act that and cash bail and, um, really brought all the stakeholders to the table. And so, um, you know, I know he's going to be dearly missed and I know that his family's going through a lot and, um, you know, I, I wasn't nine like his kids, but I was 26 when I lost my dad and, I was 28 when I lost my mom, and you know that's still relatively young compared to a lot of people. And I know it; I know what that's like. Uh, and I would never wish that on anybody. And so, I know that for them, it's going to be um, a difficult journey, and uh, more so than you know something that I've experienced. And uh, it, it's just it yeah, it's just sudden and, and tragic and painful
1: so beautifully said sir I, I uh, my, it is heartbreaking and I agree with you I was 29 when my father passed away and it's, it's hard to explain to people you never wa- want anyone to have to go through that I know we all do uh, and it, and there's, you know you hate sounding contrite and saying it'll get easier because it, it gets different is all I can say for folks I know especially at this time of year uh, it's, it's uh, it can be a struggle for many and you know you mentioned the work that he did on the safety act which could obviously continues to be a lightning rod of contention uh, people using it as an example in Chicago where we're going to have this big purge and they're just letting people out. What are some of the conversations that you've had with folks in the the days following the amendment to this legislation?
4: Well, I mean, people should just know how landmark this amendment was. I mean, uh, the Illinois FOP uh, alongside the ACLU, alongside the State Attorneys Association, alongside the End Money Bond Coalition, all slipped in neutral. Um, So they did not uh, say that they support or were against this bill. Um, When we were um, testifying in committee, uh, we had the state attorneys association and we had uh, the Illinois Network for Pretrial Justice or the End Money Bond Coalition at the table testifying on behalf of this bill about the things that they saw, um, that they saw many good things in this bill and they know that we're always going to have work to do. Um, but they saw many good things in this uh, legislation, and um, it just goes to show, like, uh, you know, would I have preferred to have had a different process? Yes, I mean, of course. I When someone spends $35 million in a general election and $50 million in a primary to attack what we've done in this state uh, that is a historic piece of legislation, I would prefer to have had negotiations under a different circumstance. But um, we were able to get to this place uh, where we were able to have so many people from different sides of the criminal legal system to come be on the same page uh, and then to have victims' rights groups right there front and center in support of this bill. So uh, I I am very honored and proud to have been able to carry this trailer bill, and I'm very honored and proud to have been able to sit next to Scott Bennett uh, in making this happen. And uh, uh, on January 1st, I can say that Illinois is on the path to having – uh, you know, the most just, the most fair pretrial justice system in the country.
1: It is a heavy lift in the winds of hatred, really, is what we saw leading up to the general election in November. Uh, For people, I mean, the idea that our our prison system is supposed to be this overwhelming punishment for people who haven't even gone to trial yet is astounding. It's so hard to explain to people who just have these blinders on of, well, the bad guys are getting out and using all these horrible examples. What kind of, can you tell us a little bit how, about how you felt seeing it, you know, in know the days after learning that a lot of these uh, a lot of the people on the other side of the aisle who ran on the, the fear mongering uh, were not successful in their races. Were you relieved to see that uh, that truth did prevail in many cases?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think that it was truly a mandate um, in the fact that they ran on a sort of 1980s early 90s scare tactic effort because they couldn't talk to people about their health care. They couldn't talk to people about their jobs. They couldn't talk to people about their property taxes. They couldn't t- talk to people, uh, uh, you know, about whatever payment they had to pay when it came to energy costs, they couldn't talk about schools. So the only thing they could talk to people about was be scared. And the public said, that's not good enough. They rejected it outright. And instead of actually even seeing Republican gains, Republicans struggled. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, my joke that I said it, I promised that would be a little bit nicer, but at the end of the day, the only purge we saw in Illinois is the current Republican leadership being replaced by new Republican leadership, who's going to take a new tact, I think and I hope, uh, in trying to have conversations with us in the supermajority, but also with the general public. And my hope is that we can present good, solid ideas that aren't based off of scare tactics, aren't based off of pointing fingers, And says, what are we going to do to give people the life they deserve? I think people make it clear what they want in public safety. You know, we're going to talk about the city in the next few months here. uh, And everyone's going to talk about polling, about crime and public safety. But someone's view of public safety in South Shore is different than someone's view of public safety on, on possibly the northwest side or the north side we have different views of what it means to have public safety and how we're going to get there. And it's not a monolith. And people have to understand that that means you have to have a diverse approach to protecting the public from harm. And I think that's important context here because we just look at a poll number and we think that says it all, but there's actually a lot more detail there. And we saw this this, we saw this come, come about uh, in the, um, in the November elections where, you know, public safety was, a crime was number four or number five and very big in the city, and they ran on it to try to suppress burnout, and that did not work. Um, and here we are, uh, where we were able to get a trailer bill done. Uh, in fact, you know, we had people, it, it, we did not have bipartisan legislative support, but there were people who had opposing views around the opposite side who came about and helped make this happen. And, uh, and, and it's important to remember, you can tell the arguments changed from the people who used the scare tactic. Uh, at first, they were originally saying they wanted to keep cash bail. But then they realized that they're saying it's okay for someone who's dangerous to pay to get out. Then they decided to use technocratic language that most people don't understand that sounds scary uh, to try to then say, hey, actually we actually want to get rid of cash bail, but here's something we're going to scare you as much as possible that if we don't get this done, uh, it's going to be the end of the world. And it goes to show yeah. us because that's how much we shifted the argument. A year ago, you would have never seen a Republican say, "Yeah, I want the New Jersey model or whatever that they were using as a go-to talking point." They're basically acknowledging that they made a mistake. They were lying a year ago about what was going to happen, and they had to flip their argument because they didn't want to. Def- they didn't want to defend a status quo that literally says bad people. People who are literally actually a threat to people in this the current system that we are in right now can pay to get out. And we're saying on January 1st, no, that we have to change the standard for detention and we have to change the standard from wealth to safety. You got me
1: ranting. No, don't apologize. That was, it was fantastic. I was going to ask you, uh, you know, because I've often felt like there should be some sort of office of accountability. When you say that they, they said one thing last year and clearly they were lying, there's no, there's no way to hold them accountable. Because I mean, I guess elections do, but there are a lot of folks who fall for the the lies and the fear mongering. And there's no way to go look what you said last year. So I completely appreciate your rant. Do not apologize for that, sir. Do not apologize for being passionate. One of the reasons I invited you on was I saw your text today. When you say that there's a difference between when we talk about public safety on the south side, uh, you know, as opposed to my neighborhood. I live in Jefferson Park. I live. I grew up in Norwood, and I do think that we need to have this conversation about how we're talking about different things. And I saw your tweet today about and this article in the Hyde Park Herald, and the you know talking about uh, these the, the access to guns. And the tweet that I saw today was about every time there's a mass shooting, you look at Wall Street and an investor is making a buck. It keeps happening. And those same people, those same investors tell us it's an individual's fault. It's your community's fault. And that's what I feel like. And now you're going to make me rant. I feel like my neighbors would rather say just like wall off parts of Chicago and let people kill each other like like you're not our neighbors, like you're not our family. And so that's why I invited you on today was this tweet that you posted yesterday. Um, and that's, uh, you know, what Let me. do you mind if we take a break here? Otherwise, we're just going to you and I can rant back. Back yeah. and forth. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll take a glass of water and, and come back. We are talking to State Senator Robert Peters of the, I believe it's the 13th District, correct? That's right. That's right. And that's, tell folks the neighborhoods that include, what are some of the communities you represent, sir?
4: So it stretches from basically Navy Pier, Streeterville, down along the lakefront, Bronzeville, Hyde Park, Woodlawn, South Shore, South Chicago, the southeast side and in the Indiana border. And wow. the heart of the district is really the Hyde Park area.
1: Wow. That's, that's eclectic, to say the least. Let's continue our conversation when we come back again with with State Senator Robert Peters, a uh, passionate uh, legislator that I think we all should know more about. Let's take a break here. We'll come back. And uh, if you want to join the conversation, 773-763-9278. And then thank you, Dave and George, for hanging on.
3: WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: We are talking to State Senator Robert Peters, who represents the 13th District in Chicago, as he mentioned, all the way from Navy Pier to uh, the Indiana border and everything in between. Uh, but you said that the, the bulk of your district is Hyde Park, which also is very has a diverse uh, area with, with a lot of wealth, you near know, the university, and, and folks who are working hard and, and want to be safe, too, right?
4: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I tell people all the time, everybody wants to have a safe community. And honestly, everybody knows what a safe community is. It's actually, you know, we always say, well, it's kind of the all these police. Well, no, it's clear. You get a good school. And I think if every kid could have a new career, I think that they would be doing better. Yeah. Uh, I think if you had enough, had enough money in your wallet, in your pocket to be able to get groceries every week and get good food, and you didn't have to worry about paying rent or having to pay a mortgage, uh, that you could walk from point A to point B, and in fact, If you need to get to point A to point B, the public transportation is just spotless. These things exist in many places in the world. They exist here, Europe, uh, uh, Asia, South America. They exist. The thing is, in order to provide safety for everybody, we want to expand that. We want everybody to be able to experience that. That is something that is going to require difficult choices. It's why I made that comment about Wall Street and gun manufacturers and investors because there was a guy who moved to Florida, a billionaire named Ken Griffin, mm-hmm. a man who made millions of dollars off of gun stock, who then says, these people are killing themselves and seems to think it's okay to blame black people, even though he's making money every time an Uvalde happens. He's making money. Every time a Sandy Hook happens, he's making money every time there's a mass shooting in the west side of Chicago. He gets money in his pocket and then says, you're to blame, not me. And to me, that doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem right. It seems like it means that instead of him being held accountable, it's a bunch of working class people have to be held accountable. And at the same time, that's the same person who funded someone like Bruce Rauner who cut every service and held up our economy in the state. So the people who literally destroyed the economy of the city and state, who literally put people's lives at the brink, then point at those people and say, this is your fault. That's an abusive relationship, not a fair relationship. And so I'm not going to sit here. I don't think any of us should sit here and be lectured by people who are playing a leading role in the violence that happens in the city. In fact, I would say that if you live in Jefferson Park and you live in Hyde Park or you live in South Shore or the North Shore, you should actually look at this and say this is actually not fair for any of us. It is an undue burden. If you're a police officer in Jefferson Park, you're literally given an impossible job to be a mentor, a social worker, you have to be a teacher. You have to do all this stuff and then do it in a community where there's a lot of, there's been resources drained when we really should say, actually, what we want you to focus on is that a very violent thing happened and having, instead of having to do an unnecessary stop, you know, basically stop and frisk with the car. Right. Instead of doing that, we want you to focus on specifically solving this crime. Right. And whatever happens after that's solved is up for debate. But let's actually try to figure that out. Because if you still believe in restorative justice, you need to be able to find someone who caused harm. So we don't even have that point yet. So to me, it's like, yeah, we're all fighting with each other. You know, there's a long history of using physical infrastructure as a wall to segregate the city. There's a long history of using the blue lights of a police car to segregate the city. And yet here we are having the same debates every year over and over again with politicians who are too scared to take on the big, tough guys with a lot of money. And then they tell you know the general public a bunch of pandering BS. And then we repeat the cycle and over over, over and over again. Doesn't do anything for anybody, whether they live in Portage Park, Jefferson Park, Hyde Park, South Shore, or the southeast side of Chicago does not do
1: anything. And the damage, you're right. I mean the damage that Ken Griffin and, and just Ken and Rauner, Bruce Rauner did just in the the last 6 years, it, it's immeasurable in so many ways as you mentioned. Let's even just the, if we put fair tax up for a conversation, all the money that mm. Ken Griffin sunk into that campaign uh was it was beneficial because he would have had to pay what 80 million dollars a year. He spent 51 million once and now does, you know and then he moved. And then because he because he didn't win more races, he took all of his toys and he went down to Florida. And still with which.
4: Yeah, I got to think about that, too. I think this is a whole thing where, you know, there's a lot of Republicans saying Trump is bad. He's too extreme. He's causing us problems. Well, I think that people need to understand there's a debate happening with the Republican Party. And that is, do they want extreme politics on Twitter like Trump? Or do they want the effective extremism of Ron DeSantis?
1: Thank you. They're both (laughs) extreme. Yes. Go.
4: One is more effective than other at causing harm. And in fact, that's Ron DeSantis. He is literally running Florida in a brutal, dangerous manner, putting people's lives on the line. And he's doing it because he's an insecure human being who seeks the acceptance of people like Ken Griffin, who has decided that he's going to back Ron DeSantis. And then you have Pierre Thiel, who wants to back up Blake Masters in Arizona. You have, the Republican Party's debate right now isn't extreme versus moderate. It's what they want that extreme politics to look like, and they want, to, they want to decide how it operates. And the argument is whether that's going to be an extremely online extreme or if it's going to be one that wins a governorship in a former swing state that's Florida. And I think that is important that we remember here in Illinois, that if you hear an owner Republican Republicans say, we're not going to be like Trump. We're going to be like Ron DeSantis. But that brings a ring in your ear. Because that's bad. Yeah. That's not good. We don't want that either.
1: I would say it's as you said. He's more effective in, in getting policy through, whether it's h- how kids uh, learn that they're not allowed to say gay. And I, I've had arguments on the show. That's how what the bill says. It's in essence what they're trying to you know execute. And you know what we saw during the election with intimidation, with people getting rounded up because they were told they could vote. And he said, "No, you're felons, and we're gonna we're gonna." And the intimidation level alone, it, he's being very effective in. Lord, I've been saying the same thing you have, which is this guy is way more dangerous in my eyes, at least. Yep, he's effective. What? Uh, what? Uh, I know that the House is having hearings on uh, the legislation to ban certain types of military-style rifles. What's? What are the steps? What can people do? One to be informed as to you know what the language is going to be, how this is shaping up. Uh, what are you hearing as far as the the likelihood that something will pass in twenty three? You know, I
4: think that there's an immense pressure to get something done Um, that, um, you know, I I sort of bemoan this, but after July 4th, everyone said we had to do something about guns. After Dobbs, everyone said we had to do something about abortion. And yet the first thing that gets done in the state was the trailer built around the safety act. Um, So we actually owe it to the public to make sure that we strengthen our abortion laws and we do something to protect the public from guns, particularly assault weapons. Um, And so I feel, you know, I don't want to overpromise. That's, you know, I'm a politician at the end of the day. I apologize to everybody. I may be brutally honest, but I also know you don't want to overpromise something that may not be able to be delivered. But I can say it really feels like the train is moving to get something done here on guns. And what I will say is that, particularly assault weapons, and what I will say is, that it's important for the public to continue to put pressure on all of us to make sure that we get something done, uh, around assault weapons that we need to get that done to make sure that they put pressure on us when it comes to expanding abortion protection, that that continues to be there, that continues to be organized, right. And continues to be pushed. I also want to make sure that whatever we do around uh, weapons isn't just simply to stack on charges. I want to make sure that whatever we do uh, is directly going at the heart of the manufacturing industry. Because like I've said, uh, part of the reason why I support banning assault weapons isn't simply to get assault weapons off the street, but to fundamentally send a message to an investor that wakes up the morning after a mass shooting and sees a stock price going up, that that's wrong and those days need to end. And so we need to send a dual message to people that they can't just buy a high-powered gun to use on a parade on people. Um, And the people who think that they get to tell people what it means to have safety get to make money so that they can go buy another yacht uh, that they can travel the world in uh, after kids get shot in a school. That ain't right. Nope. And that can't happen. So.
1: Oh, I, uh, I, we only have a couple minutes left, and I, and I wanted to do another topic, but I don't think we have time, so I'd like to take a call from a listener who wanted to say something, if you don't mind. Stand by. Here's, yeah. here's Mirna. Hey, Mirna, what's on your mind, my friend?
7: Hi, uh, Representative. You are my representative, and I thank you for the work that you're doing. It's very similar to uh, Kwame Raul, very proactive in trying to eliminate all the problems that exist in my area. I'm on the far southeast side. Um, my personal opinion People talk about how strict the laws are as far as uh, guns are, but it's not the problem of having strict laws. It's enforcing those laws. That's the problem. Judges, they get these plea deals going, you know, it, it, everything changes once they're in court and that's where things fail. You can make the strictest laws you want, but if judges are not allowed to enforce them the way they're written, it's a waste of time and it's a waste of taxpayer money paying your salary and everyone who's down in Springfield trying to represent us. So thank you for the work that you are doing. It's greatly appreciated, my area. A lot of people who go into Indiana from in Illinois to commit crimes, they go over there, they bring in guns illegally into Illinois. They go back commit crimes and then they get chased back through my neighborhood into Illinois and eventually get caught. So that's something that people don't they don't want to bother uh, commenting about is the overflow of illegal guns and ammunition that's coming from Indiana into Illinois. So that's something that really needs to be checked on. Oh,
1: I I think. Go ahead, Senator. Uh, I know that uh, we're almost up for time, but uh, what, what would you like to say in response?
4: Well, let me first say, yeah, representing the southeast side, I always say, what about Indiana? So I completely agree with that sentiment. What this is why I specifically said assault weapons, because I think it's having to be somewhat realistic that our fight against the gun industry, the manufacturer, and the investor is one that's really going to have to require sort of a national fight. But what we can do is make it that much harder in the state of Illinois. So we don't have what happened in Highland park, uh, happen anywhere else in the community. Right. So, I agree. I don't want to say, dismiss that, right? That's, it's the reality. And so, what we want to do is that's why I say it's the two parts. It's not just simply because we, we go after assault weapons, simply because of the, the fact that we want to stop these mass shootings. That's very important. But long term, to stop these mass shootings, we want to make sure that an investor doesn't feel like they can make money hand over fist afterwards. And the way to do that is to start hitting that investor at what they, you know, the profit margin. Of weapons manufacturing, and so I, I I totally get that. I totally understand that. Having representing right next to Southeast Side, you know whether it's guns or, you know, some people will tell me they like to the, they went to Walmart, you know, to buy a, a can, you know, to buy a six pack of Coke or beer, uh, right there in, in uh, over the border. So I, it's a very rea- it's a reality. I understand that it's completely clear, and I don't want to dismiss that. But what I will say is. It's the idea of not wanting to have what happened in Highland Park as much as possible and to make it that much more difficult to have that situation happen and to send a loud message to the people who make money that this is not something that we condone.
1: Outstanding. It was great talking to you, sir. And and I'd love to be able to check in with you because I want to talk about a fair vote, uh, you know, ranked choice voting. We've run out of time and I don't want that to uh, eat into your schedule. Uh, Can we check back in with you in 23 about this and other issues?
4: Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Absolutely. Where would you like people to learn more about you? uh, Facebook page, Twitter, website? Where should people go to learn about you?
4: Yeah, um, you can visit my website at SenatorRobertPeters.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Senator Robert Peters, uh, and you can find me on Twitter. uh, And, uh, you know, you can either follow me on my personal account at Robert J. Peters or my uh, state senate uh, where you can get information about stateside information from send, at Send Peter's IL. Out, so.
1: Outstanding. Well, have a wonderful holiday season. I wish you the very best and look forward to talking to you in a few weeks.
4: Definitely, and thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Take care. Be well. Let's uh, take a break here and take your calls. Uh, I know that Dave and, uh, and George have been holding on for a bit, so thank you for that. More for the news and traffic update.
3: This is WCPT 820 where facts matter.
0: You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820.
1: All right, as we head into the second hour, I want to thank uh, callers who are on hold for hanging in there. Dave from Hoffman Estates has been there the longest. What's on your mind, Dave?
8: Hey, Patty. Well, I was on hold. I was watching MSNBC, and they had um, on that Ari Melber show, they had uh, Jane Goodall was there. And I seen something on the cross where she roughly said that... uh, Trump wanting the dominance is reminiscent of a male chimp. I got to think sure. <laughs> how many times has Ro- uh, how many times has Roosevelt uh, was called Trump the orange orangutan? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, that seems pretty accurate.
8: So, uh-huh. I mean, you know. Sure, so, but um, what, I, what I was telling Lady B about when you were speaking about the, with the bullies and punks, whatever, with that the, uh, young man with the downs. It got me thinking, I told about a story my mom told me years ago, back where I grew up at Langewood. It was a very small, you know, town. It wasn't quite Mayberry, but it was small. And um, there was this one uh, young, fairly young uh, boy that had downs, but he used to love police and, you know, stuff like that, that they even he had like the, the old tin star and a little six-shooter and whatnot. And, well, there was like two or three of these, these uh, punks or Bullies that you know about fifteen, sixteen, whatever, and they somehow or other they they got him to come along and lured him towards the cemetery, and you know like two of them did it or whatever, and the the third one was there, and he either snuck up behind that that boy and scared him so badly that that boy went running home at full blast you know as fast as he could run. Mm. And you know that his you know heart basically was pumping out of his chest. That well, he died. (gasps) Heart attack because he got he got scared to death. Well, the kicker of it though, my mom said that uh, she says you know she said that oh a few years later one of those those punks or bullies got married, had a kid, and his his first child born had Down and she said i she said you know i often wonder did he ever think it was because of what they did to that boy that that was god's way of you know retribution to him
1: oh i don't know i'm i'm I I I tend not to uh, think of things that way because I because people often use you know you know God gave us Declan because we're the right that kind of like stuff but uh, it is interesting uh, an interesting outcome I guess would be my way of looking at it but yes the universe the universe God whatever way you want to put it of uh, and and who knows I mean and here's the thing like just because an individual has a child with a severe disability doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be a good parent, and most uh, marriages, the the divorce rate for our our population, our community, is over seventy percent. So chances are, if he was a bully when he was a teenager or a kid, would you know, an adult? Chances are, he didn't stick around to have to be a part of that child's life. Is my guess, if I had to wager. Unless unless he had some know. sort of coming to Jesus moment, I guess if we're going in that direction. But uh, a lot of people can't come to terms with the fact that they have a child who is severely disabled.
8: Right, he and this was like I say, this was probably happened before I was born, so mm-hmm. was a while back. But uh, and I I told you before too about that uh, guy that used to be my mentor. He was, in fact, he had been in the Hitler Youth and everything. But he was very proud when he got to be an American. And but he and his wife, their firstborn had been with Downs, and he kept thinking that we did something wrong, you know, and all of this stuff. See, and and he said, luckily for them. He said that, you know, both he and his wife were German, and he said that luckily for us, he said that we had an old German doctor, and he said that you didn't do nothing wrong. He said that you just happened to be, he said that one in every 100,000 that happens or something, you were number 100,000, and because I had, I always thought if I would have had a kid, I don't know if I could have loved, you know, or not, because I wouldn't know what I would do, you know, and, and. Herman told he told me that time he says he said you just love him more he said he
1: said that. You're, you'd be surprised what you're able to do I I look, I'll be very honest before I had Declan I I was somebody was like I, I can't even I can't imagine how people do that oh that right. must be so hard uh, yeah it, it, it is you you because you have two choices do it or don't do it that's it
8: yeah well, step up or I, thought, you, I don't know if I could do it you know but uh, he said no he said you find yourself loving them more so anyway listen I, here's what i here's what i know let me clear up, let me clear up so you can get to right? i don't want to, here listen listen to listen,
1: listen i'm going to tell you something uh, yeah. i am going to tell you something it, declan makes my world a much bigger place uh, i love things much more deeply than i did before him so he is uh, he's made my world a much bigger place there's nothing to you know feel sorry for us uh, declan is not my family's yeah. tragedy he's my family's victory I guess they all say there's a purpose, you know. Oh, it's everything. Have a great evening, Dave. Thank you. All right. Thanks. Take thanks, care. Bye, bye, bye. You too. Bye. Let me get to George. Is George still there? Can I Try talking to George offline. Hey, George. Are you there? I'm here. Hey, I was trying to, I wanted to see if you wanted to talk to uh, to Senator Peters because I wasn't sure if you lived in his community. What's on your mind, George?
9: Well, this, this was a topic I tried to get in on yesterday, uh-huh. uh, but couldn't couldn't get in. Uh, when you had the circuit court judge as a guest, and um, part of your conversation involved how uh, new judges generally get assigned to traffic court and uh, how they struggle and maneuver to get out as fast as they can. <laughs> right. But um, I and a, a whole bunch of other people, maybe at least 300, had an experience some years ago where a veteran experienced traffic court judge exposed a state policeman, and a district attorney, excuse me, state's attorney, for being, um, shall we say, somewhat less than honest and forthcoming. Really? Yeah. This was um, in southwest suburban Oklahoma, and I had gotten a traffic ticket, and it was like the second week of August. It was a 2 o'clock court call in the afternoon. It was 93 degrees, and the humidity was around 90%. And the court was being held in the uh, Oakland Village Hall village boardroom. When I walked in the door, I was just stunned. Every seat was filled. There were two lines of people down each side aisle from the back to the front. Uh, two lines uh, on either side of the center aisle from back to front. And the back of the courtroom was five or six deep. And the air conditioning was not keeping up. It was miserable in there. So precisely at 2 o'clock, all rise, the judge comes in. He's a big, beefy guy with a thick head of brown hair who looked like he must have played tackle in college football. You could just see his face fall as he looked out at the size of the court call. And Hmm. he said, ladies and gentlemen, conditions are not pleasant. I'll do everything I can to move the court call along. Uh, Please, you know call out here as soon as your name is called. If you have a minor offense, we'll give you a supervision, and we'll try to get you on your way. So he started going through the cases. And, like, the second or third case involved a man who'd been given a ticket on the tri-state tollway for speeding. And the state's attorney and the state cap went through their usual rigmarole, and then the judge turned to the gentleman, and he said, well, what's your story, sir? He said, well, he said, I was driving my black ford f-150 pickup truck in the center lane and he said i was staying at or near the limit and i was passed up by uh, the same make ford truck except it was a very dark forest green and he was speeding and the judge said okay and he looked at the ticket for a while and he read it over carefully and then he turned to the state's attorney and the sh- and the state company said um trooper, he said, I'm seeing here by the location of your ticket that you were at mile marker such and such on Tri-State. Yes, Your Honor. And he says, "Um, that wouldn't be where the Tri-State is making a curve from, uh, from right to left. And I'm familiar with this area. You weren't by any chance backed up against the bridge abutment, up against the wall, and using the Technique, which every officer here knows is forbidden in my courtroom to aim your radar gun at the image of approaching traffic in your side view mirror. And you could just see this trooper shrink into the floor. His shoulders went forward. Wow. And he, he didn't say anything. He said, trooper. You're under oath. Answer the question. Were you timing speed by aiming your speed gun at the mirror? By this time, everybody in the courtroom was sitting bolt upright, completely quiet. The people on the sidewalls who were leaning against the walls were all standing up straight, leaning forward. And the trooper finally said, yes, Your Honor, I was. Bam, down comes the gavel. The judge says, ladies and gentlemen, I apologize for this. The conditions are horrible. We're going to take a brief recess. And he said, Mr. State's attorney and trooper, in my chambers now. And they went off into the hallway, and you heard a door slam, and then you heard this bellowing and shouting.
7: <laughs> went wow! For four
9: and the uh, the judge had told the gentleman that he was discharged with the apologies of the court, and he was already processed out by the time the three of them came back. And the, the the attorney and the trooper looked like chasing schoolboys, and the judge stood up and said. All of you officers there in the front row, every one of you know how I run this courtroom. I run it straight on the up and up. Don't try to pull any of your law enforcement tricks with me. I know them all. <laughs> and, and it was everybody was looking at each other like, wow, this is great. Wow. <laughs> almost glad I got a ticket so I could see this happen in reality, in real life. And then the judge apologized again, and he said, uh, just get up here as fast as you can. I'm going to give uh, supervisions to everybody. And uh, when the, this trooper's cases were called, he he dismissed
1: all of them. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> what a good day for but to be in traffic court. Man. Yeah. I, I love so
9: it. Any, anybody who thinks that cops tell the truth under oath every time, Disabuse yourself of that notion. I, I've, I know of two or three other instances personally where cops lied under oath. It's not uncommon. So, wow. So I don't know if that judge is still around, but I'm sure he got moved up because he sure knew his business up there on the bench.
1: Well, and you heard uh, it was Judge Mike Weaver that we spoke to yesterday, who's uh, currently in judge school, which just cracks me up. It's such a funny premise. Uh, but uh, he was saying that there are some folks that have stayed in traffic court and they also like establish, you know, basically the tone of the courts and are there for uh, mentoring and things like that, too. But uh, wow, what a wild story. I wish i uh, that's the kind of thing like you you, you can't write that any better. No, you no. couldn't. That's amazing.
9: Well, I'm glad well, I was able to share. It
1: with yeah, you. I'm glad you were too. I'm
9: just, so- I'll, I'll... I'm just sorry that the judge wasn't there to hear. it. Well,
1: I can uh, I can get a clip of the uh, conversation and send that to Judge Weaver, and we're going to try to have Judge Weaver on as uh, I'm hoping like once a month. We should just call it Judge School. He can teach us about judging. <laughs> I think that would be good. Could, could
9: I could I get relate one more Sh- quick story? Okay. Um, sorry Steve I, I, Steve
1: hold on Steve uh, from Chicago uh hold on uh from the seven seven three go ahead Steve, George I'm gonna take a break uh after you go ahead
9: I've made my living through most of my life as as a uh, as a professional driver taxi driver truck driver Limo driver and needless to say you've got more exposure to getting stopped or ticketed for something and um, i I had gotten a ticket for parking where I shouldn't have when I was uh on an errand for a client. But I went to contest it at the kangaroo court. I mean, excuse me, the uh, the hearing officer, because uh, this is not a a ticket from a police, you know, a regular, like, movie violation ticket. It's a parking ticket. And my case was kind of inconsequential. There was a flaw in the ticket, and I was able to get it dismissed. But there were two cases in there where there was a woman who had been In a near-fatal car wreck, she was in the hospital in intensive care for six weeks and then another six before she could go home. In the meantime, for some reason, the total wreck of her car was towed to the curb in front of her house and dropped there. In the meantime, her license plates and vehicle sticker expired, and she was getting one or two tickets a week on that wrecked car while she was helpless in the hospital. And the fine was up to like six hundred and seventy dollars, and she could barely stand up hanging onto the lectern and she tells all this to the hearing officer, and he goes, "Well, let me check the law and he does and he says, "I'm sorry, ma'am. you're liable for the entire amount and she like shrieked oh. and the person the person who was with her had to hold her up so she wouldn't fall and uh, everybody in this the room like looked at each other like, this is brutal. Unbelievable. He says, it's your car. It was parked in front of your house. You're liable. And that was it. Wow. And then the second case that happened on the same day, and I know this guy was telling the truth because my neighborhood is right next to his. Uh, he's a field service technician for an uh, office machine and copier company. He uh, goes to the office downtown, checks in, gets his assignments for the day, heads out, and he stopped at his house and parked in front of the house, this is like at 10 o'clock in the morning, just to go in and check on his great aunt, who lived with him and his wife. He's in the house for like 8 or 10 minutes, he comes out and there's a ticket on his car, violation of street cleaning (laughs) ordinance. Oh dear. Now... This particular neighborhood, it's on the far southwest side, virtually nobody has trees. It's just lawns. Right. And so there's nowhere for the streets and sand guys to tie their little signs on. So he's standing there looking at this ticket, and he's completely, you know, mystified. And a, a cop car is come, coming by by chance, so he flags the cop down. And he goes, what's the deal here? There's no notices posted. And he goes, go look at the light pole at the end of the block and the other one at the other end of the block. Oh, geez.
1: That's so crappy and, when they do that.
9: Right. And those two light poles were actually across the street on the other side. So right. there were no notices on his block. Right. And his that neighborhood, the houses have side drives. He said to the cop, I got to drive here. I live here. I'm just checking up on my great aunt. I said, if I knew there was street cleaning, I would have pulled in. Cop says too bad. So the hearing officer goes, "That's your story." And yeah, and he goes, "Bang, you're liable, sixty-five dollars." Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, <laughs> people people should should go to any one of these. Uh, public hearing officers, a.k.a. kangaroo courts, just sit there for an hour and it's, watch what happens.
1: It's comedy. I know. It's comedy. It's comedy for, uh, for free. <laughs> well, yeah, George,
9: it's so sick because it's working people who are just getting screwed. Yeah.
1: I know, yeah, no, that's absolutely true. And, and by the way, that was one of the things that the uh, that the judge mentioned yesterday. Is now everything is on Zoom, and you can actually watch court proceedings. So it's not quite the same, you know, the, maybe the same drama, but it's people don't have to go into court anymore for these for these hearings. So it's a little bit different now. So we should probably take that out. Maybe we could find some uh, some good video, some good laughs on on YouTube. George, I've got to yeah. run. I've got to run to a break, and hopefully Steve will uh, hang on through the break as well. Have a wonderful evening all right you too thanks thanks for your stories take care let me take a break here when we come back uh, we're gonna take steve's call after traffic and then we're gonna get we're gonna call kb marion's got a new segment for us that's not what's happening is the name of the segment i mean she's called uh, we'll figure it out
3: you're listening to wcpt 820 because facts matter
1: I'm just going to go ahead and uh, go to the next break, Lady B. And uh, by the way, I hope that Sarah the Groomer is still watching I'm so or listening. I'm so sorry I didn't see this text until now. Sometimes I don't get to the text screen as fast. Hi to everybody on our Facebook live stream. Uh, Sarah says, Patty Girl, say hi to to Miriam Mom. Marion Mom, sorry. I don't have my glasses on either. Say hi to Marion Mom. Birthday, 90 years old and still a pet groomer. What? I'm sending you love, Marion. Happy birthday. Happy 90th. Uh, they do uh, like mo- the mobile dog grooming. So happy birth- birthday, Marion. If they aren't listening, I have to figure out a way to send uh, Sarah the clip. Sorry, Sarah, I didn't see it till just now. Happy birthday to Marion. Let's take a break, do traffic. Uh, we'll take Steve's call, and then we're going to check in with our good friend, KB Marion, in just a bit.
3: Tune into the Tom Hartman Radio Program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter.
1: Coming coming up in a few minutes, what was I saying? Coming up in a few minutes, we're going to talk to KB Marion. Uh, Lady B, I sent you the phone number, but I'm going to take Steve's phone call first. Uh, I know you've been on hold for a while, going all the way back to our conversation with Senator Peters. What's on your mind, my friend?
6: I just wanted to push back a little bit on one of the things that Myrna said. Uh, because I see it posted a lot on Nextdoor and, and other t- social you know, discussion pages.
1: And she was talking about how laws aren't enforced and guns coming... Exactly. Right, go ahead. Exactly. But, but people make it
6: seem like, oh, it goes to court and we have three eyewitnesses and forensic evidence and the person's confessed, but the judge and the prosecutor just oh shrug and only put them in jail for 10 years instead of 20. That's not the case. It's that they sat down and they've realized if we push for the uh, for a 20-year sentence, they're going to go to trial, and we'll probably lose. Let's offer them 10. It gets them off the street for 10 years. In the meantime, we can look for other things. Yeah, until you've sat on a bench or you've prosecuted a case, it's very easy to go, oh, well, you blew it. You, sh- you just didn't do your job, or you didn't care.
1: Steve, can I ask, are, are you a former
6: prosecutor or a judge? No, oh. I'm a former actor, but I but I, I followed this closely enough to, to know how— People just kind of dismiss other people's work and have no idea how it actually operates. And it's not as easy as, you know, it's not as easy as it is on TV. Even if you look on TV, you see some of the background of, yeah, of course, this person we think is guilty. But we're never going to get them put away for 20 years because we don't have enough evidence. But we can get them to confess if we make them an offer of 10
1: years. I, I do think that I there's something the – I think there's something in between where where is coming from and where you're coming from. I, I, I spent six weeks doing some work with – like they had a Citizens Academy with the FBI, mm-hmm. and they did talk about the arrest rate, the prosecution rate, and the sentencing rate. And it is – the the – First part is, you know, about was about 30 percent. Prosecution was about 15 percent of all all violent crimes and about. So there's a lot of different factors. Uh, And I think that Mirna is also coming from the point of view of like not all laws. And and this is true where not all laws when it comes to gun possession are enforced. Those kinds of things, too. So I think there's a lot to what both of you are saying. And I appreciate your phone call. Yeah, I'm totally I'm totally for enforcing gun
6: laws. It drives me crazy that we've got guns coming in from Indiana and then we get blamed because they get used here. It's just, like I said, I've just seen so, so many times where people think, oh, they're just shrugging and they don't want, they're do not they lazy or they don't want to do their job. It's like, no, it's a tough job.
1: I think there's they're, a lot of...
6: They're dealing with reality and not... Fantasy. Yes,
1: yes. I think there's a lot of complicated elements that are involved that uh, are easy for us to just brush past. And uh, and sort of uh, minimize. So thank you for that perspective, Steve. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Happy holidays. Bye. Bye. Let's. Uh, OK, so there was so comedian KB Marion joins me. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you. It's our first first time having KB on at all. How you doing, KB? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you and work with you this year at venues in the area, including uh, standing in the middle of a—did I bring you out to Whiskey Acres? I think I did, right?
10: No, I didn't do with Acres. I did do the uh, charity one, the backyard one. Oh that yes, that was a lot of fun.
1: That's right. I knew there was a, I knew you were you and I were in a backyard situation with folding with like people yeah. bringing their camping chairs. We did Bourbon and Brass and Displays and the Arcata Speakeasy, and we've done uh, Tatas and the Laugh Factory. And we were sitting at a table at Bourbon and Brass, and you and I were talking about people getting a hold of these online stories and you know just believing the clickbait and and I you, you were. <laughs> You said I want to tell these people that's not what's happening and I was like oh my god I've always wanted to do a segment called that's not what's happening would you do that segment for me and so I'm excited to to talk to you about what what story is out there that people let, take away their imaginations and the you know the, your take on their uh, misinformation and things like that it's, it's that's not what's happening so what 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 got your attention in the last few weeks
10: um well in the united states what doesn't get your attention <laughs> there's always something <laughs> yeah. the united states is like it's like a Seven Eleven in the hood like it's just all something's always going 24 <laughs> 7
1: there's always something yeah there's always something so what ju- what story jumped out for you
10: all right, so what story has been jumping out at me for the past few weeks? And it actually, interestingly enough, uh, continues to get legs with this particular person. Uh, and that would be the gentleman who owns Twitter. That'd be Elon Musk, a.k.a. Elon Musk. Mm. Uh, I call him Elon. <laughs> um, but. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I call him Lon. Uh Lon and many of his 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 friends and his cohort have has taken up this this concept of of a uh I, I think they like to call it a woke mob. Okay? Yeah. yeah, they're calling it a a woke mob. I think that's what they call it. Um that's not that's not what's happening. <laughs> okay. At all. Like they're there's no such thing as a woke mob. Like, it it doesn't exist, right? So, like, I was thinking about it, right? Uh, As we're preparing for holidays, and there's undoubtedly, you know, a lot of things that we need to shake off from the past couple of years, a lot of yuck we need to shake shake off. And so at every swipe and, and every, you know, click, there seems to be a reminder of anger and fear and a longing for an era where, you know, public accountability was often only applied to those who were out of, you know, the societal norms, you know, like there wasn't necessarily this idea of let's hold everybody accountable. You know, they just picked and choose. Like, we don't like that guy. So we're going to make him publicly shame him. And so I think that like, one of the things that a lot of people haven't considered is that with the development of technology and like not only, you know, you know, tech shifting from being, you know, like tech has made us, you know, less adventurous with our perspective. It has taken away a lot of people's work ethic, attention span, communication connectedness, you know, any social mores, all those things were at once said at the family dinner table or in the garage or in the basement. And people realize that like their little part of the world was just their little part of the world at one point. Right. And then here comes technology and people think their world is the world. Yes. Right. Right. People think their world is the no world. Yes. It's true. So then, as technology advances, right? They 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 start adding like thumbs ups and hearts and clicks, and so then people land in like these echo chambers, right? So so this thing is existing And somewhere in South Africa, okay? <laughs> yeah, this fake wannabe Tony Stark. All right. And I don't know how, and I don't know who implanted that into his mind. But that person needs to be removed from the planet because he believes it.
1: <laughs> the person, he's like the rich kid. Yep. Yeah. No, go ahead. no, no. The person that 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 made Lon believe that he needed to to be this bigger than everything else needs to be removed from the planet. <laughs>
10: Go I'm going to pay Lon to do it. I'm going to get rid of him. <laughs> he, he caused all this trouble. You could have just been a billionaire chilling. Right? Like, seriously, he has made his life way more difficult. <laughs> and, and it's all fake, and it's echo chambers. Like, like, this man has millions of dollars, and he got sucked into the echo chamber. And this is what I'm talking about. There is no woke mob. The thing is, is that people have voices outside of outside of that echo chamber. Do you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. So your world is no longer the world. The world is now your world. It's a good point. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. You have to now. There was a time when wealthy people like him didn't even know what people thought of them. They didn't participate in any of this. They, did not, they didn't hop on Twitter. You know, they weren't sending carrier pigeons to people and peasants beneath them to remind them that they were wealthy. They couldn't even be bothered. And here we have a billionaire bothering us because he's become a part of that particular system. He's bought into the echo chamber. Yeah. This is not a woke mob. This is not a woke mob. It's people responding to you, sir. (laughs) Fine. It is just people responding to you. And I need everyone to understand that. There is no woke mob because there really is no accountability for any of you. Like, think about it. The woke mob didn't make you buy Twitter. No. Your bad business skills made you buy Twitter.
1: <laughs> That's true. It really did. You know what would what so would like, a woke mob? What would a woke mob? We don't even have pitchforks. Like what kind of? What do we bring? What, what, I don't even know how we mob. We're just we <laughs> mob with hashtags and t-shirts. That's like right. that is the whole.
10: We mob with retweets. That's like a, oh my ooh. God.
1: <laughs> Oh no! What did you think oh about Chappelle bringing Lon on stage the other night with Chris Rock at the? Uh, the comedy show he was doing in San Francisco.
10: Well well, you know, Chappelle is uh Chappelle is a rich man. Yeah. <laughs> and rich rich people be rich people and
1: uh, that is all I really thought there is <laughs> That's a good point. There, there is a detachment yeah. from reality, right? I mean, like they, you're right. The world isn't your world. Isn't the world is is brilliant right. because it's absolutely right. They like these rich people get to a point, and I don't even know his. You know how Lon made his money? He didn't. His parents own emerald mines. I mean. I don't even I didn't even know that emeralds were things that people like I have a peridot as my birthstone and it still makes me angry that I have one of the ugliest stones as my birthstone and emeralds are barely <laughs> prettier. It's only good in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> right? Like yeah, and and there's
10: I, listen. <laughs> I we need to I didn't know that emeralds was was like that. But I think that if I'm a white person from South Africa and I became wealthy through emerald mines, and I don't know how, I'm sure we can assure who the workers were for yep. the mine. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can. Maybe I should sit down and shut up and, <laughs> <laughs> and not put myself, like, there are days, like, there's a uh, a show that um, I can't even think of it. It's on HBO Max. The Gilded Age. That's what it's called. Uh huh. You know what?
1: I just like, I just watched the first episode. By the way, that no one wanted to go to the party. Nobody showed up to her. <laughs> she thought there was going to be two hundred people. It was amazing. <laughs> you know,
10: like that idea of like you're buy like he's buying his substance. That's what he's trying to do. Like, this is a rich, he's richy rich with no friends, but not charismatic, (laughs) you know, and he had to buy his hairline. But, like, there is no, like, he has no semblance of, like, reality. Like he, like, like I said, he really thinks his world is the world. Like, he thinks that because he's the, well, I guess it's no longer true that he was the richest man on the planet.
1: Did you see that? Yes, he's not. He dropped. Someone wrote the joke. The audience booed him so hard on Sunday when Chappelle introduced him as the world's richest man that he lost his first spot. (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah,
10: I could say a joke that would be along the lines of something Chappelle might say, but I'm not going to do it.
1: Oh, why? Would we get in trouble for it? Is there, do I need to hit no, the... It,
10: no, it, but if you watch his old shows, you would the, the joke right itself, I'm thinking about the reparation sketch. Okay. When he talks about how, you know, um, black Americans spend money. He makes a joke about it. I'm not going to go into it, but yeah, I'm just saying. It's interesting after Dave Chappelle says that. It drops. It didn't happen after Rogan. Nope. But it happened after.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that part of the reparations? Is it uh, Chappelle outs him, makes him uh, makes makes him embarrassed? Here's the thing. He wants he wants. I think. Do you think he wants to own Twitter because he wants to have a safe space from the woke? He wants to punish the woke mob, and uh, and now he's mad that it's not working. Yeah, because this. This dude
10: doesn't understand, like, all right, he's from South Africa, right? And I keep going back to this because I don't think he understands our culture. I don't think Elon (laughs) Musk, like, Elon Musk was not bullied in a public high school. Like, that, he is giving very... Because like he doesn't even know when you're laughing at him. <laughs> he wasn't
1: bullied out a public high school. I feel that so deeply good.
10: It's <laughs> like seriously, he doesn't. He doesn't know that people are laughing at him. Oh my like, god! Like he was just dumbfounded. Like he's like, I just paid to hang out with all of the, like all of these rich people. All of these people like. What's crazy is he's the billionaire and the wealthy and famous wanna be around him because he's a billionaire and he wants to be around them because of the intention and fame. Like they're like he bought he bought companies purely for that. That is sad. Like he really is that rich kid that has no self awareness whatsoever. And so, like I said, that's the reason why he's re—he's reaffirming these echo chambers because he's found the substance, not realizing that it's just the same thing as the other side of this "quote unquote" woke mob. If it's a free space and it's a free this and that, it, you know, it goes both ways. That's the reason why there is no such thing as the woke mob. What is what would be the other side of that coin?
1: Yeah, exactly. The intolerance, hatred. Uh bullying all that stuff that's the other that which all it's all there yeah it's Uh. all
10: there so why can't the other side be there why can't the accountability
1: be there because we have to only have bullies (laughs) with the bullies and those that bend at their will i guess i guess and the bullies be the biggest crybabies have you ever beat up a bully uh, I, I uh, called a bully on her bluff. I didn't know I was. She told me, meet me at the mailbox in front of the school at 3 o'clock. And I was like, I used to be afraid of her. And I came out and I just threw my notebooks on the ground. And I was like, let's do this, Evie! And and she goes, I, I have to go home. My mom, my mom, my mom's waiting for me. <laughs> that was the first time I knew I had presents. Yeah, that's exactly what... The,
10: and that's exactly how how he reacted mm-hmm. that's exactly how he reacted on stage yep yep that I, was his first time getting like bullied publicly like that but, you know back in the day people used to get pied and eggs thrown on them and stuff like that when they made public appearances and stuff like that he got booed by 30,000 people
1: it was amazing it was. If you guys haven't seen the video, it is fun to watch and it lasts a long time. I've uh, I've got to run. It was our first. That's not what's happening with KB Marion. Hey KB, where can people see you perform next, and where should they follow you? Hey, follow me
10: on Instagram at KB Marion Comedy and uh, check. I get a whole bunch of stuff coming up. Check me out.
1: Excellent. We look forward to having another segment with you. Be, be happy, healthy, and safe, and have a wonderful holiday, and I look forward to seeing you soon. All right. Awesome. Talk to you later, Patty. Great job. Thank you so much. Yep. That's, your world is not the world. Let's take a break here and wrap it up. i got to run over to this mayoral forum. I want to see how they're doing. There's a bunch of candidates at the Copernicus Center. Uh, I, I should, probably should have told you about it, but the folks that are throwing it together, yeah.
3: Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT 820.
1: On January 6th, 2021,
4: followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. Who are these people? I want to live with a
6: QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with
1: a QAnon girl. a little more uh, Steve Goody from his album, What I Did During My Pandemic Vacation. He's also, he and Brad Tassel have their album, uh, Merry Convetchmas Christmas. And uh, they've got a couple of holiday shows coming up that we'll uh, feature them and let you know more about. And tomorrow we are broadcasting remotely from Taste Food and Wine in Rogers Park. That's at 1506. Do you say 1506 or 1506? I say 1506 been wondering about that. I don't know. it just jumped in my head. Uh, it's at 1506 West Jarvis right here in Chicago. And that, you can follow them on Facebook. We'll be there with uh, Kirk Bankstead. We're going to have mayoral candidate Cam Buckner joining us live. Uh, we've also got the owners of Ta- uh, Taste joining us now. What are other guests? We- oh, there's Charity. charity. Oh, the Harvest. Yeah. Harvest uh, Food Pantry. We're going to be f- uh, highlighting uh, their organization and finding out how you can help people during the holiday season. Uh, so come join us at Taste Food and Wine in Rogers Park. Uh, it's a $5 donation that all goes to the Harvest Food Pantry, so we would love to see your lovely faces, and you can try some of the Manaqua Brew, as you see the entire uh, selection behind me, on the Facebook Live. Have a great night, everybody. Lady B, it's so wonderful to see your face again, and uh, thank you to Jerry for all the hard work that he does for the events that we uh, that we put together, and hopefully we can figure out the, the Facebook uh, <laughs> Live tomorrow. I'll bring the charging cord. Good night, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. Be happy, healthy and safe. Mike Roots up next with The Devil's Advocate.